You're exactly where you need to be. And you're listening to ADD Comedy with Dave Rosansky. Today's guest is Reed Diamond. Boy, this pod chat could have gone on for another two hours, at the least. It was a whirlwind talk with the actor you know from Homicide Life on the Streets, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., 24, Judging Amy, Good Night and Good Luck, Moneyball, and too many more to list here. Go to IMDb if you got the time. I'm so glad that I had the time with Reed. Yow! Well, okay, ladies and gentlemen, here goes. I know I, I started Weight Watchers again, and uh, what? Uh, yeah, I I lost. I was up to uh, I was up, up to 180 pounds, and uh, and what's good for you? What's good for you? Well, the doctor says uh, like a a buck fifty five. Right. You know, he says that. And I'm I'm up for a challenge. Right. Aren't you up for a challenge? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm so fucking up for a challenge. If somebody says to me, um, I want you to do this. The first thing I'm not going to, I'm not going to say, I can't do that. I'm going to say, I'm going to try to, I want to do that. I'm going to do that. You need the challenge. It's like, it's like whenever I do anything like remotely macho, I have to do it with another man. Because <laughs> like I just, I just did this like uh, eight mile hike where I live up to the top of this. And it's basically straight up 3,000 feet. And uh-huh. I was like, I was with my buddy. And have you, have you, have you done this before? That's my question. What's like, that? Have you done that, that, have you done part of that trip? Before? I've done that hike before and I've done it with other men. But it, there was a certain point, it was right after Christmas. And like all I ingested was butter, cheese and liquor. So you and, and I was not prepared. I, in fact, I have that app, you know, on your phone or whatever on the iPhone where it says like how much exercising you've done. And I looked at it and it was flatlined from December 24th until this is probably the day before New Year's or before New Year's Eve. And, and there were certain points where I go, oh, fuck. I said to him, I said, if you weren't here, I would I would bail. But if we were here with women or children, we uh-huh. brought our children. But because we're two men, we have to get to the top of that fucking mountain. Interesting. So you're driven by the machismo. Uh, and I don't know that I'm driven by that. I think I think I'm driven by the fact that I've never done whatever the fuck it was. I've never done that before. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. if another guy's there, I'm gonna go. Oh, fuck, there's another guy there. I guess I am driven by machismo, but the other way because, I. But you grew up from what I've read. You you grew up. In Manhattan, right? In, yeah, up so the west side. Yeah. Did, did you did you do any physical stuff? Were you on any like a, a a team of any kind? I did a lot of running from threats and avoiding death. But you, think, but, oh, no, so but, you run. I no, I was kidding. I I did a, I mean, I did a little bit of I did a little bit of sports. My father was not athletic. Mm-hmm. Um, my father introduced me to musical theater, so that I had a lot of musical theater experience from uh-huh. my father. But no, couldn't throw a ball. Got it. None of those kinds of things. Really? Didn't do it. Where any, did like, you grow up? I grew up on 93rd and West End on the oh, Upper West Side did, of Manhattan. Yeah, upper West Side. My dad's still in the apartment that I grew up in. We moved there in 1976, and um, and so you had no backyard. Well, but it was also like this is you know it was crazy. This is the fucking 70s, and my mother would be like, "Come back at sundown," and right. and it was and it, this was the New York of then. It was, I mean, you know, right. being mugged regularly, right? And but also like you know, it's so funny because I have I have I have mixed feelings about you know I moved here to Los Angeles in 1992, and and you know New York has really changed since then, and my dad's you know has really changed, and there's part of it that I miss, 
but also I know a lot of people who move there and wax poetic about the old days and the old days were really scary right. you know like right. you know for every one especially in the Upper West Side I think the Upper West yeah. Side now the Upper West well, Side is just so cleansed yeah. now well it's the whole island I mean that was crazy I just went down there to do a job in July and they stick me in some hotel in the east like not in the east village like the lower east side where mm-hmm. I remember like that. the only thing you went down there to do was like score heroin or get stabbed in the face <laughs> and, and I'm going and now like it's just like it's like each shot is like it feels like a parody of itself where we only serve meatballs made of yak you know like or like literally a bar that only serves cider and you know and it used to be I mean but I so I love I love that it's safe and I love that it's clean and um, but I'm also glad it's it's funny having a child I'm so glad that I got to grow up in that New York right where where I mean my father worked at Times Square he worked at the, the a local television station and it was right there at 42nd Street and Broadway mm-hmm. you know it's not so, there anymore the, no they moved it moved out to Secaucus, New Jersey, okay, okay, okay. Um, long after I'd left. Mm-hmm. But um, but I mean, I got to see that New York, and I'm glad I got to have that experience. I mean, it was harrowing, and but who's the mayor there? Well, I mean, when I it, it was, was before Jenkins, it was John Lindsay right. when I was a kid. Then Abe Beam when right. he said he was going to go bankrupt, right. and then Koch. Koch was the savior, right? And then when I left, it was Dinkins, and that's before Giuliani. And I lived. My last neighborhood was Hell's Kitchen when it was still Hell's Kitchen. Where'd you live there? I lived on Forty Seventh between Ninth and Tenth. I know exactly. I know that neighborhood. Well, it was amazing because it was like I lived like it, we used to call it. We because I I was at Juilliard at the time, and we would walk Which is a down. Nice walk. Which is a nice walk. We yeah. walked down 9th Avenue, my buddies who I lived with, uh-huh. and we used to call it Mutant Alley because you would literally see people. It felt like you were in some sort of like tromo post apocalyptic movie because there's just, and it was actually odd because we didn't get bothered very much then because we were just, we were sort of oddities as well. Right. And it was a great place to be broke. You know, because it was like the only place where you could still get a, a six pack for five bucks, and right. and, the, and there still was like the little Irish bars that would serve the beer in the can, and and it was a nice place. But now I go back, and it was great because you know right before I left, I did a play on Broadway, and I could just walk to like two blocks to what get to the theater. Did you do? The Homecoming, the Harold Pinter oh, play. Oh, yeah. great! Yeah, uh, I mean, I, it was a, it was a, it was an ill fated, it was a very ill fated production. How long did it last? We, we were, performance? It was only scheduled to do. We only did. It was a limited run. It was like three months. Uh huh. And um, but was it your first Broadway? It was my. It was my first Broadway. I graduated. I graduated Juilliard in the in the spring, and then I did this, um, you know, summer fall, and then right as soon as I was done, I moved to Los Angeles. Got it. Because that was Got it. Because at the time, um, there was only one TV show in New York. It was Law and Order. Right. I did that second season. And it was time to go. There was nothing going on. New York wasn't. It's so interesting. Yeah. Again, I was talking to I was talking to Fulcher. I think yeah. it on the show where he was talking about how how there's it's it's like pockets. New York is a pocket, and London is a pocket. But L.A. We kind of you know I kind of took it for granted. But he said that yesterday. He the idea of like how much more this is an industry town, and there's yeah. so much more here to come here because New York is even though there's a bunch of shows going on there now it's not the same as, no. as being here you know and this, what's so interesting about LA like it's funny because as I pull up to your house today it's January 12th and I moved here January 16th 1992 January 15th there you go and you can see there's something about this air, and I remember getting off the plane and being here I'm like well this is fucking great this is like you know I'm smelling jasmine right. and it's warm but for me you know I moved here in 1992 and this is how you know you and I are sitting across from each other my life didn't really begin until I met the whole Chicago group right when you guys all came out and and then suddenly because LA is a very 
I don't, I'm not, it's an overwhelming sort of isolating place until you make your friends, until you find your group. Unless, unless, but the thing about the Second City people. Well, you is, guys all came on mass. Well, we didn't come on mass, but because what people did was they came out and then other people, they took care of the other people that are coming out. And they took care of the other yeah. people that are coming out. Sort of like what, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with anybody from Emerson. Emerson's right. the same. Exactly. Story. Oh, I know. I know and all this. Colgate. Exactly. Right. All the Colgate people. Carrie uh, and Carrie. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That whole group. Right. Right. Yeah. right. But it was so cool because you know I, I I couldn't find my friends and it was a very it was a, it's a you couldn't find your 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 people my people right and it was funny so I, like in nineteen God it was probably ninety eight I I rented a house in Los Feliz mm-hmm. and when they it was a beautiful house big and cheap and Los Feliz was the place I wanted to live they go the only thing is there's this couple living in the apartment downstairs it's like there's an apartment sort of like a lower level apartment downstairs and that was Mike Coleman and Betty Cahill and that was it and so I was like and I was like I don't know if I want to move into a house with people living downstairs and then you know and Mike and I would sort of see each other at the garbage can I'd be like there's some guy living downstairs I don't then then suddenly it's Mike Coleman and Betty Cahill and and they started taking I just you know became fast friends with them and I started going to the theater and seeing all of you people and I was just and um well, I mean, the group, I, I, the story that I, I always think about, and it's apropos sort of award season. You know, for years when I first moved out here, you know, people always have Academy Awards parties. Yes. Right? And you go to those parties and there's always a competition where you everyone throws in 20 bucks and whoever gets the most right picks right. wins. Well, I remember I first moved out here and I was making sort of ancillary friends and I got invited to one of these things. I was like, well, it's a competition. You know, the trick is like, how do you win this? Is like figuring out the the, the other categories. Right. So for really you, taking a look at it. Well, just take a look at it because right. I don't know who is going to win for best sound editing. So I would sort of triangulate the picks in the L.A. Times. So I show up to these parties for the first <gasps> few years, and every year I won the pool, and every year, but I, and, and people would be furious, and I'd always say like, no, no, I, I'd like to take you all out for drinks, and they're like. Fuck you. And I'd never be invited back to that party ever again. In fact, I once went to a party the year before I met all these people where, where I, I won. How did you meet those people? Well, Mike. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. How did you meet the people that went fuck you? And then you know, you would just back? meet people. You know, the people like right. you know that you would other actors or you know friends of totally friends. Agree. And it was just like it, it wasn't my my group. And you'd also go to these parties and they'd be very catty and all this. So anyway, so. Early on in my very early on in my relationship, probably before I'd even seen a show at the I.O., I get invited by Mike and Betty to go to a, a party at, at, at Betsy Thomas and Adrian Winter's house. Oh God. So I show up at this party. I am the only oddball. It's, you know, there's Keckner and Flynn and and you know the Pete whole, Holney and you know, everyone's yeah. there. Finn, you know, everyone's there and their wives. <laughs> and I remember, you know, so at a, and I remember two things that so stood out which made me well. The, of the whole evening that made me fall in love with these people and suddenly find this group. So first of all, I'm in a room with some of the, maybe the funniest people in the world, There's right? No doubt about it. Now we're watching the Academy Awards and usually it's like, you go to these other parties, it's like, ugh, you know, it's all sarcastic, it's bitter, you know, sour grapes, you know, bitterness directed towards people who've achieved. There was not one sort of catty, sarcastic thing. Very funny things were said, but it was very, um, and I thought, these these people are, this, there's something else. And this is what I love about the Chicago and I love about I.O. and I love about, you know, the improv world of, of comedy. Um, but then um, it was neck and neck between me and Adrian winning the pool because he'd done the same thing. He'd studied the L.A. Times and got the thing. But instead, they were like, so I was, no one knew me, but they were rooting for me. They're like, come on, come on. And, and then suddenly at the end, I won. And I said, well, I'd like to take you all out to the Cat and Fiddle for drinks. Mm-hmm. And everyone, to a man and a woman, said yes. 
And then we go to the Cat and Fiddle, and we're playing games. And I was like, this is what I've been looking for. You know, these people are so good. And they were so welcoming to me, an absolute stranger. I was the odd man out. And that was my experience at the theater. You know, so then I started seeing those shows. And I was like, these are the most wonderful, talented people, but also just the most wonderful people. And suddenly you had this friend group. And then, you know, eventually I was, you know, took the classes and got on stage and, and changed my, it really changed my life. And I was happy. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that, that when I, when, in, in your, in your, in your comparison between these two groups of people, um, I think that uh, the common denominator that I feel like uh, the people that, that we, where we met, where mm -hmm. you and I met, um, the camaraderie there is we need to be inclusive. Improvisers, as you yeah. know, need to be inclusive, yeah. and uh, and I've been. Uh, we need to be inclusive. We need to to celebrate everybody's everything, mm -hmm. and to know. Here's another thing. Um, I think that a lot of people that when I look at all those people that you just mentioned, I feel like the people that brought those people here had successes of their own. Mm -hmm. All right, so they had successes of their own because they had successes of their own. We all felt like we were a family, right? You know, I, so anybody's success. This is the way that I feel about yes. it now. Anybody's success is my success as well because yeah. high tide rises all boats, or however yeah. you say that. And 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 so your win is our win. Your gig is our gig. And when I look at what people have done, uh, it's extraordinary. Uh, it really, really is extraordinary. And particularly the you know talk about the funniest people in the world. Mm -hmm. Those fucking people. Keckner's doing well. Pete yeah. Holney's doing well. Yeah. Pat Finn is doing well. And um, uh, like and, and looking at all well, the everyone you know Polar and Dratch and Tina Fey like oh my God. Adam McKay yeah McKay of course yes you know you look at yeah. Adam and right. you go like like uh, uh, Adam changed everything at at, at Second City. Right. He came from I O changed everything at Second City and suddenly it was a very fucking different world. Mm -hmm. you, did you see the big uh, short? I haven't yet. No. Okay, yeah. so in the big short, when you look at the big yeah. short, you know I'm I'm watching it. And I forgot who directed it. I'm just going, right. oh, you know, there's my my buddy, and it's good, and and then afterwards I said it's like a Harold. And then mm -hmm. they went, oh, of course it's like a Harold because <laughs> right. Adam McKay did it. Right, right, right. And the influence that we have. On the influence that we all have on each other, and the and the and the, the fact that we bring people in in order to go, I don't want to be here alone, brother. I don't fucking want to be here alone. And when I moved here, and George went and knew my name, I'm like, George went knows my name. Right. How did that happen? Right. How did that right. happen? Uh, it's crazy. It's crazy, and it's also crazy because um, I never thought, I never thought I'd like LA as much as I do. Mm -hmm. Well, you came, you, you brought your whole, I mean, this whole culture came together. And it's, I mean, it's amazing what they did. You know, I mean, you've got two theaters. You've got UCB and you've got IO, you know. I mean, well, you have more. You have more. You have Second well, City yeah, now. But, you know, right. Like, but you also had, uh, you had Peter Moretti. You had, you had Bang who was over there. Right. Of, you know, of course, Bang. You know, of course, you did, yeah. You know, all yeah, those all people the there. All the offshoot, everyone. And, right. And it, was, and it was so great, like, all those people getting together. And it's also the nature of, like, I mean, why improv is just, is so Wonderful, because it's, it's like it's about making the other guy look good. Absolutely, and also being around—it's such a, it was so refreshing to be around such smart, funny people where the joke was always on them. You never, you never like—it was not that the old like the stand-up put-down comedy no. was, and just good, good people. And what's happening now that I think is fucking awesome is there's a connection between acting and improvisation and improvisation and acting. Yeah. And I think that it goes back to when you talk about the Borscht Belt people, mm -hmm. where you go, someone like Don Rickles, you saw Rickles, yeah. and when you saw Rickles in, um, what was he in? A dramatic role, like an army movie. Do you, do you know what I'm talking well, about? Well, he, he was like in Kelly's Heroes. Exactly, yeah, yeah, when yeah, he's right. in Kelly's Heroes, right. and he's just playing. The, Sorry, yeah, whatever, yeah. yeah. That, that fucking yeah. guy, yeah. and you're like, 
that's John fucking Rickles. Right. You know, and and he's doing that because we can. We can. The, the, the comedic actor can do that. And now there's no question about it that there's that synthesis between those two things, between acting and improvisation. Well, I have to say, you know, whenever a young actor asked me like oh you know because I went to Juilliard and I've studied with some of the bigger teachers here and then whenever everyone asked me like what should I do where should I go study should I go to conservatory should I do I go no you should take you should take classes at I or take classes at UCB mm-hmm. and I go because that's the greatest that is the greatest thing that ever happened my career changed after I started doing um, performing doing shows at the I.O. right because <clears throat> it returned me to why I started doing this in the first place as Which someone, is what? Which well, is what? Well, it's pretending. And, right. you know, and if someone, I mean, what it reminded me was, you know, obviously when you're a kid and someone says, you're the Queen of England, you go, you know what? I, I don't know. I'm going to have to research this for a little while. You just go, I'm the Queen of England. And <laughs> and what that, what 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 um, improv reminded me was like, oh, I, I can from one word put on a 45 minute show right. that's really entertaining right. and super satisfying. <clears throat> right. And because also what happened too is, I mean, for me as a television actor, I mean, the majority of the work I do is on TV. Right. And so, I mean, someone can call me now and I may have to be at work tomorrow. So I'd work with, you know, you work, you know, jewelers, you got the process. And I, my, 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 my edict is always, I want six weeks of rehearsal or none. Okay. Because right. it's because, because um, I know that we can create. I mean, and I. When I do you get six weeks of rehearsal? Well, if you're doing a play. Right, exactly. Right, exactly. Right, and right, then you, right. Because then you have the chance to, you've learned it so well, you can unlearn it. Right. Because what I most enjoy as an actor. Wait, is, you learn so well, you can unlearn it. That's not really what you're doing. What you're doing is you're, you're learning it so well that you let it go. You're not unlearning it. You still know. Of course, it. you're not unlearning. You just, you're, that part of your, you don't need to use you're that not, part you're of not your engaging. brain. Yes. You're not engaging in that. And I think that's okay. really important because a lot of people, I don't know how to unlearn, but what I do know how to do right. is to take that section and go I don't need to engage in that right now right. that section of my brain and yes. the same thing that I do when doubt comes in when doubt comes in I go oh that's doubt I can either give it my attention or I could say I'm not going to engage with the doubt I'm going to right. engage with you being here right now exactly and I think that that's that's also what you're what you're saying you're right in a very different it's what you're saying in the story that you're telling right now which I just interrupted no no it's going to this is whatever conversation no that's exactly it's not unlearning it's it's that you've you know it so well it's 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 molecular it is you know it's in your body it's kinesthetic at this point so I don't have to worry about what the word the words are going to come out because I've memorized them. right but now I can play you've memorized them but you've also own them. You've owned them. You, they, they you own them because yeah. to memorize them is, is you know, we memorize our times tables, but that's a fact. Of course. You know, and we're talking about the difference between your fact and truth. And for me, it's like nobody ever says two and two is four. Isn't that sad? Mm-hmm. You know, like the fact is, it is you memorized it, but then you fucking own it. And you know what it's like when you, how hard it is to, to memorize something where you can't hold on to the truth of what it was that the writer wrote. Right. Do you understand what I mean? Yes, of course. And, and the struggle that comes in with that because something something well written is so easy to 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 to, to ingest exactly. and to own because it's part of you. It's exactly it. Well, it's always you know I only did how I got I only did three days ever on a soap opera, and which one? Uh, all my children. And I'd finished the play in New York. This is so. This is 1991, and I, they offered me three days on the soap opera. And the three days on the soap opera was going to pay more than almost the whole run of the play. And I needed the money to move out here to Los Angeles. Oh, it's what it was a soap opera in New York. Back in New York, right? Yeah. All my children. So they called. I'm like, great. Hardest thing I ever had to do because it's like because basically soap opera writing is it, you're saying the same thing 
just 80 different ways right. over and over again because the stories move so slowly. And I can you, you could hand me a, a Shakespeare monologue now and I could probably learn it in the next 15 minutes. Because right. with Shakespeare, there's no word that shouldn't be there. Right. It's, per, it's so perfectly written. You're like, I couldn't say this any other way. Right. Um, but, uh, but, but, you know, improv, when young actors ask me, like, where should I study? I'm always going to take the classes here. Right. Because also that's what I want. Those are the people that I want to work with. You know, when I get to set, I want... Because I always think that what you and I come up with together in the moment is always going to be a billion times more interesting than anything I could have thought of in my house the right. night before. Right. And I want to be surprised. And, and the fact is, if you're in your house sitting there wondering what I'm going to say, what an amazing waste of time because I'm not going to do that. No. I am not going no. to do that. I'm not, I'm not going to not do that because I want to fuck you over. I'm not going to do that because I got my own thing. And when the two of us are together, that which we create together For sure. is different than anything that we'd ever have. And so the concept of expectation mm -hmm. is so... The concept of expectation, like I, I have this expectations like okay good because I know that that expectation is a twin and it's called disappointment you know right. because what you think that you're going to sure. see is fucking not what you're gonna see yeah. and if you know what you're gonna do then it's already it's kind of it's already stale by the time and why do you need me yeah, and that's the thing. And so, you know, I've been, and it's interesting, you know, you go out there and you work with some people who really are open to like being flexible and uh, creative in the moment. And then there are people who are like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Right. I mean, um, and, and, but that's you know, the gift that, that the IO gave me and, and getting to work with all these really smart people is that I knew I could do it. And, um, and just that, that love and that play and that lack of, that confidence. Right. Confidence, man. Well, I mean, I just, you know, when I, I did this movie, uh, Moneyball, with, mm -hmm. and, and it was the... Oh, that's, I remember With you Brad that. Pitt. Yeah. And it was the first day of shooting, and they set up the camera on Brad first. So it was on Brad, and we shot for six hours. We shot on film, and, and we would shoot until the mags ran out, and we improvised that scene. And, and... And it was his improv skills. Obviously, he was great. You know what? He, you know what? He. I mean, he's he's a great guy and a great actor. And he was just like he was so keen to do it, and um, and it was exciting. And you know, and, and you know, you go down. Sometimes we go down pathways that you knew were never going to be in the movie, but right. we just keep doing it. And um, who directed that? Uh, Bennett Miller. Right. Who's yeah? Who is um, right? Just a, a super. Oh, um, the idea of him say, uh, that of just saying. Improvise now. Let's now do what you now do what you do now do what you do do now go. And I just and I love that you know and I, and I love people who and and it's been, it's interesting you know at work you I mean always I, I I when you come to set they want to block the scene and and they want to rehearse the scene and I usually go if I can especially if I know people and I, I just say hey let's just because some people go oh you're not they'll give me an acting direction I go I'm not I'm not doing it yet because. I'd rather do it the first time when the cameras roll. Got it. Because we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna find something that we didn't know, and you'll ca and it doesn't exist unless it's oh, that's so unless you unless you filmed it. Absolutely. And 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 what also is when when it's live when it's when it's taped when it's taped fresh like right. that. Um, Okay, let's let's go back. Go ahead. When it's rehearsed, what has to happen is when you do it, you then have to pretend to feel the feeling you were feeling prior to feeling the real feeling that you're feeling when you're feeling it when it's being taped. If you're if yes, if you're trying to repeat that clearly, yes, because and and you're going to try to repeat it because that's what you did in rehearsal, right? As opposed to now again, the, the idea of having rehearsal. I think in 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 the movies or TV shows that I've done, I think maybe I've had. Three percent 
where I'm able to come in for a day and they they talk yeah. to me for an hour, an hour and a half. And I use I think rehearsal I usually use rehearsal for TV or movie is for a way that you and I become friends. That's exactly what I'm saying. So that say. we're comfortable when we get out there. So right. that we have <clears throat> some sort of so we're not feeling each other out on the day unless you know which also may be something that's worthwhile. But if we have to have any sort of like connection or camaraderie or feel safe with each other, we build that relationship. That's so interesting that you say that because I have I did two days on The Young and the Restless. And right. uh, the Jews are always going to play the lawyer, and so I played a lawyer, and uh, and I was always told you got to get there, you got to know your lines, you got to yeah, yeah. they don't yeah. do good, 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 good. And I'm like, okay, great, no problem, I'm going right. to do that anyway. So I get there early, I get parking. It's at CBS, uh, it's at Studio CBS C- Radford. No, 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 oh, no. Oh. it's at the one on Beverly. Oh, very cool. Oh, it's nice. really cool. Oh, yeah, the very oh, cool. Yeah, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's old school. Well, of course, it's like Sunny and Cher show is there, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, exactly. Right down, the, yeah. right down the hall, yeah. they're doing. Um, uh, dun, 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 we got American. Dun, dun. Oh, the Price is Right. The Price is Right. Course, right yeah, down yeah, the wall, yeah, yeah. and uh, and you see that, <laughs> and so I get there kind of early, and everybody is fucking nice. Everybody is so nice, super nice, super yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. And we sit down, and I'm and I'm going over my lines, and uh, there's a knock on the door, and the guy that I'm doing the scene with says, "Let's work. I want to get to know you. Let's do this. I, you're my lawyer, and I'm your client, uh-huh. so we should know each other. Right. So we went over the lines. We went over the lines. We went over the lines. We went over the lines, and then we went away, and then we he came back. It's like let's go over the lines again, and then when we were on set, it's like we fucking have this history, man. Yeah, yeah totally. And so it's that yeah. confidence going back to that word mm-hmm. confidence of saying when I'm on set, it, I'm going to bring my confidence anyway. Um, I'm going to bring my confidence. But isn't it great to sit down with somebody who's also bringing their confidence too? Because the moment that we both do that, we're going, what can't we do? Right. You know, that's your man-to-man thing going up the mountain, you know? Right. What fucking can't we do together when we're doing that? Well, that's it. Yeah, because it's, I mean, you, I think there's, you know, there's two schools of 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 being scene partners. It's like, um, we're going to like, we're going to r- rise our boats together, as you said, you right. know, all that, that, the, you know, um, all ways, whatever it is that we're going to, we're going right. to, we're going to make each other better. Or I've also, you know, had the displeasure and the, the hilarious stories of working with people who are like, I'm going to make you fuck up. So I look better. Yep. And, um, or, or it's all a power game. It's a power game. It's a fucking power game. It's a power game. But, but the good news is, you know, and certainly, you know, certainly since, you know, my experience of meeting everyone, you know, the I.O. and all that. It was like, I've had less, I've had many more good experiences Well, the, but it's also to sit back and to know what a good experience is and what a bad experience yeah. is and know mm-hmm. that four lines, four, four, four lines into a conversation, not dialogue, four lines into a conversation oh, with yeah. another actor, you know what the fuck is going on. But, and that's hours in. Like, that takes... I'm an old man now. It's taken a while, and sometimes I have to relearn the lesson. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. But yeah. I know. I'm going to say. I'm going to tell it straight up. The worst person I ever worked with was Roseanne Barr. Fucking awful <laughs> human being. And I'm not. Right now, I'm not. I don't need for you to agree or disagree. No, I have, I have no. Because for me, yeah. I yeah. feel like I went on that set and yeah. I had a week on that show, and she was the most awful human being I've ever worked with in my entire life. And and here's the thing. Maybe she was going through a hard time. But I know that if you, if Laurie Metcalf walks off your set and John Goodman walks off your set, you're fucking doing something wrong. Well, and the, and, and the other side of the court is, you know, it's always like the biggest stars that I've ever worked with the, are, are always the most confident and the most inclusive. You know, like Sam Jackson or George Clooney or Brad Pitt. They, they could not literally be nicer. No. You know, and they also understand, they understand, they understand what effect they have on the room, what effect. I, remember, I did a movie that George directed and... 
I never met him. I just auditioned on tape, and I walk into some sort of which movie was that? Uh, Good night and good luck. Oh, I love Edward Murray. Yeah, Rose, Rose Abdu. Of that course, that? I love Rose. God, I love her. So oh yeah, much. we had so much fun. Rose oh, is so good. Ugh. And uh, but he never met me. But he first thing he did is grab me in a big hug. He's like, Reed, I'm so glad you're doing this movie. Fuck. Now from that moment on, I was like, if he said, I want you to kill that man over there, or just whatever you, I was like, I will do anything for you, George. And he was like that, you know. And I remember it was one of those sets where everyone's <laughs> sitting around the monitor. You could be the guy who's bringing sandwiches. He's he, you were invited to sit there and we improvised that movie too he would uh, he'd send the crew away he'd hand us each New York Times from that day in 1952 and he goes figure out a story and then well, let's come up with some dialogue God damn and it. we would just start and he had the confidence too that we could shut down the movie for three hours and then the cameras would come in and we'd make our day. We right. never had more than a 12-hour day ever on that you know right. he just that's also 12 juicy awesome fucking hours you yeah know, even though a lot yeah. of sitting around yeah. and do that too but yeah. to sit around and, and, and to look and go what and feel ownership of this piece. I think and, ownership yeah. is so important. Yeah. And I was talking to somebody about this very thing. Um, as a matter of fact, I had a dream about it last night. Um, the idea of ownership. When I, when I, one of the things that I do in, in, my, in my classes, or uh, I used to do, and I, I want to bring it back, is to have everybody leave the room and then come back in the room and then point at everything and say, this is my chair, that's my lights, those are mine, that's my window, this is my, this is my ceiling, this is all mine. Right. The idea of ownership, now we may be, it, it, the idea of ownership, the idea of this is mine, I belong here, I am part of this. So yes. wherever I go, right. I'm supposed to go. Now that's wherever I go geographically, but it's also wherever I go metaphorically. It's also wherever I go in terms of the story. Wherever I go, I'm supposed to be there. Yeah. And for him to sit down with you and go, here's the New York Times from 1952. This is when you lived. You own that time period because you lived in that time period. It's so, it's, you know, I mean, I, I, I've made, I mean, I've, I've, I've had a lot of my own shows, but I also spend a lot of time guest starring mm -hmm. on other people's shows. Mm -hmm. And I used to show up like a guest. And, and I called it, I used to call it a thousand first days of school. Mm -hmm. And I would show up like a guest. Right. And, and one day I said, oh, no, no, no. You have to show up like this is your show. Right. Because you, it's impacting on my ability to do my work. Right. And, and for that character to be, you know, as completely realized as I can make him under the circumstances. Right. And now I, sh and, and that made all the difference. I show up like I belong here. Because that's it. But the nerves, you know, you know the actor Charles Durning. Yes. Right? Okay. Oh my God. So we're doing, I did this show in the 90s called Homicide. Right. Life on the Street. Right. And, and so Charles Durning guest starred. It was a great episode that. Um, God, I love him so much. I love him so much. No, he was, he's amazing. So he's. He's I'm, in that Ned Beatty school. Well, he's, I mean, here's, here's the other thing too, which, which also make, gives this story even more impact. This guy's a war hero. Right. Right. I mean, he, he was machine gunned, mm -hmm. had his throat slit, he got bayoneted. But instead of like, it, it, these are all million dollar wounds, he just kept coming back. He landed at Normandy, fought in the Battle of the Bulge, and every time he was healed, he was back in there. So this is a, this is a man, like, on the level of man that I can never achieve. <laughs> So we're, we're doing this scene. Uh, Steve Buscemi's directing. It was his, and so we're in. There's a another one. Uh, a a, a Fuck mensch. Another a mensch. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A yeah. mensch, but also somebody who's like, we're in this together. Yeah. Here's another guy who's former former EMT firefighter. Firefighter. Yeah. Firefighter. Yeah. Motherfucking firefighter. Yeah, yeah. A real man. A real man. But, <laughs> but, but so Charles Durning has this little monologue. You know, has this monologue that he gives, and we're sitting in a bar, and I'm right next to him, and he delivers it the first take, and it's just it's beautiful. I mean, it's perfect. And he delivers the second take, magnificent. And after the third take, he does the third take, brilliant. He goes, 
that one was that one was finally good. I'm like, what? They were all good. He goes, yeah, but that was the first time I was worrying about if you guys liked me. If you guys, the guys being who? The, the other guys actors. The, crew? the other guys oh, actors. You know, right, everybody. Right. And I said, I said, it never goes away, does it? And he goes, it doesn't. And... And and that was really education. It's because yeah. it is. It's like, and he talked. You know, this is a war hero. But he talked about like bad teachers he had. He's like, you know, an actors' heart is like this little bird cage. You know, you have to protect it. You know, you have to put a little bird cage around it. And it's because it's this fra- fragile thing. But you also have to know when to open up the cage. Well, it's you know what is it like? Stella said. Uh, Stella uh, Adler said, right? It's the it's the heart of a rose, the hide of a rhinoceros. Right. Right. But I mean, but these are you know these are. Th- it's some days you can do it some days you know that's absolutely you know, but to know that yeah. we have access to that right and how many actors that I've worked with where uh, you know where I'm going I know you got it in there man but you want to put up that fucking hide of the rhinoceros right and I'm going to tell you right now I know in this, inside of rhinoceros there's still a heart yeah. you know there's a bird cage inside that heart well the and heart's everything you have to let it out absolutely and that's why you know and you want to do it with people who you know will take care of it but also you have to be willing to do it when it's you know um when they won't and that's that's the you know whatever that's but I, I, and that's where the, the the idea of what other people think of me is none of my fucking business yeah we're going to connect in this way but you know what you got your fucking Michigas and, and, and if you're not going to connect with me in this moment this too will pass yes, exactly. and I'm going to work again yeah, yeah. and we're going to you know we're yeah. going to do this again and next time somebody brings up your name I'm going to have this little that's going to happen but you know should we ever work again great but you know it's it's a funny thing too because it's also which I think is so true of all, all the people that we know it's like the way you are then sort of it creates the path that you cut through life the way you are say that again so the way you, yes. the way you okay. truly feel and the way you occur will then sort of cut your path through life so the more open I was the more open I found people towards me the easier things got the more protected I was the more um, uh, combative, uh, uncomfortable situations I found myself in. So well, there's, the, a, there's that energy that you get when you see somebody walking yeah. in a room, and I mentioned it before, like, there's an energy that we have where you see Reed Diamond walking in a room, and you go, yeah. we get abdominal spaciousness, you know, I mean, but, but I see Roseanne Barr going, and going, fuck, man, I saw her yell at somebody, and I saw her well, isn't that scream it? at That's somebody, it. I'm like, fuck, man, he, she didn't have to do that. Yeah. And and here, at the, at the heart of it mm-hmm. all, is what makes us want to do this. It's, it's, like homicide, you know, life on the streets. Every character there is scared. Mm. It's either fear or love. Right. And when you're dealing with that kind of show, it's either fear or love. Anything that you go through, it's either fear or love. And when we're able to take a look at that and to know that, that when you walk into a room, um, what's the energy that you're giving out? To be mm-hmm. mindful of the energy that you're giving out. And when you walk into the room, see the fucking room. Be in the room. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. I, 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 I got this lesson from Heather Locklear, of all people. I'm on the set of, what was the show that she was on? Melrose Place? What? No, 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 Mm-hmm. And I'm walking in the space, and Heather Lockler is waving at this woman behind this person behind me, going, "Hi, how are you? What's going on? What's going on?" And she's waving at the person behind me, and I'm walking towards the table, and she goes, "What? You don't you don't speak English?" She's waving to you. She's waving to me. Hell she's yeah. talking to me. Absolutely. But that idea of opening yourself up to the connection that we have, every fucking person on the set, uh, does not scare me. 
What do you do? What are you here right. for? What do you, what, yeah. you like? You do that? What's it? What's a, da, 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 to connect with that? But that goes back to you know the world when we met, and that's you know, what we're talking today. It's like that that community of like we're. I mean, that's what I love about improv. It's like it, it's funny. My my wife pimped me out, and for the last is three, she is she Irish? She's of Irish descent. She's of Irish and we got married in Ireland, but, but she's, okay, she's American. Fine. But, but I just want to go back to that. When I when I read that, I fucking love Ireland so goddamn much. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Have you oh. been back a number of times? Oh, yeah. We got married there. We've gone there. I mean, I first went when I was eight. And um, and, and it's, you know, certainly it's been, economically it's been changed. But in the spirit of the people, no. You can't totally, talk. totally. No, no. I go back. I've gone back. I've been back there five times. I go back a couple times a year to teach and to perform. Yeah. And it's fuck. Are you motherfucking kidding me? No. Like the moment no. somebody says Ireland, I'm like, yeah. If I could move there. Oh my oh, God. Oh no. It's like, Ireland's like Italy. Like if you there, it's like if you give a little, to, this is, you know, to wit the, the conversation we're having right now. If you give a little, that give you the world. No doubt. Give an ounce. It's like, you know, we once found these lost dogs. And they're like, oh, and you go down the pub. Oh, yeah, I know that bitch. The bitch belongs to so-and-so. Get get Murphy on the phone. And they're like, you know, they're having drinks. And they love babies. And they love <laughs> no, dogs. They love babies yes. and dogs. Yes. Well, that's what Coleman's thing is. That it's a country run by babies and dogs. Like our <laughs> children and dogs. But, uh, so you're going back to your wife. You no, so, she, like, so she pimps me out. And, uh... And uh, she got me. She's like, I want you're gonna teach uh, improv comedy at, at our daughter's school. Mm-hmm. So I, I was like, all right, I've never taught, but I think I can do it. So I did the fourth and fifth graders, and um, it's been the most amazing experience of my life. Now, I'm never, still doing it. Oh, I've been doing it for three years. I, I teach them at once a week, and I mean, and the greatest. I mean, my joke, which which I think you'll appreciate as, as a real improv teacher, is my first class ever, I said, who wants to get on stage? Every hand roll went up. And every time, every hand goes up. There is no one who doesn't want to be on stage. And um, When and, the fuck does that change? Well, you know what? With some of these people, it may never change. Like, both of my first two years, now I'm on my third year of them, have all formed their own teams that they've taken on to their oh, junior high they? schools. Well, they're nine, eight, nine, and ten-year-olds. So they started eight, nine, ten. Eight, nine, ten. Right. Because I did the whole school, and 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 at first I thought we were just going to do games. Like, and now, is this, this is just your standard school. This isn't a performance school. No, no. It's just a it's an independent school. Got a small it. independent school Got at the base of a national forest where my daughter goes to school. Very beautiful, sort of, but open. Um, you know, minded school, progressive school. But um, but what you know what I always stress to them, and 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 this is how we got on this conversation. I go, an assist is as good as a goal. It's better than a goal, you know. And that's what I, when I watch soccer, you know, I, that's my favorite part. It's the guy who puts the ball where the other guy needs it to knock it in the net. Yep. And that's like, do you know Carlos Jacob? Yeah, of course. So, Carlos was in uh, stage. He's not here for, right, for and Jazz Freddy or what whatever. What the fuck is he doing? Well, he's writing, but he and I have been best friends since we were twelve. Oh. So we grew up. And I, I should, like Carlos so well, much. He's, Would you tell him that I said hello? Well, I'll give yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call him as soon as we're done here. But mm-hmm. he's we have been best friends with him since seventh grade, and we just spent hours every night on the phone just doing like just improvising. Right. We go to the park, but he is he. I think I'm an okay improviser, but it's because he's a great improviser, and he just sets me up, keeps setting it up, and that's. That's it's such a gift, you know, and I and I envy that. Like I'm always like, you know, how can I set you up? And and I think I can do that in my acting, but it's just like a, that is, you know, for me that's the height of the art. You know, it's the a collaborative. But it's the height of being alive. It's that creative. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's sure. a symbiotic yeah. relationship where it's like I need you to tell me who I am. Now, where else it does that matter? If you don't tell me who I am, I don't know who I am. Right. You know. Yeah. And if you tell you who you are, right. then who the fuck am I? 
But yeah. the moment you tell me who I am, Which you tell great. you who yeah. you are. Right. If you say, Jerry, put down the bottle. It's like, oh, I know <laughs> I shouldn't have the bottle. And I know that you're the one that's telling me to fucking, who the fuck are you to tell me not totally. to put down the bottle? Yeah, what you a know? gift. I know. And, and so anything that we love watching, for me, anything that I love watching also has that inner, that inner connection where we're listening to you. You were just moved by what the mm -hmm. fuck I said. Now, if... Uh, the, the shows that you've been on, um, I there's an evolution, and in bad TV, there's no fucking evolution. Character evolution. No. Like even I look at um, uh, All in the Family. So you look at Archie Bunker, and mm -hmm. you look at everybody in that, and that was a fucking awesome sitcom because yeah. people evolve, yeah, yeah. the characters oh, evolve, yeah. and they change yeah. from the first season to the last season. Um, they also evolved from when it was a British show to, to it becoming right. you know that, but it right. evolved. And the shows that I don't enjoy watching are those shows where well, that's not to say you know that I yeah. don't enjoy The Simpsons, but you know the shows that I do enjoy watching are those shows where someone was moved and changed. Mm -hmm. And if you're not moved and changed, then I'm gonna, I'm sooner or later, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give up on you. Well, yeah, I mean, I think certainly as a as an actor, one prefers a, a narrative as opposed to like crime. But I'm, of the I'm talking week. about I'm talking about somebody who's watching the yeah, show. Yeah, and, and I think, but I, you know, people have, and this is the fight that I I encounter all the time now because networks generally want a procedural, and creative people want an overarching storyline. And now they try to marry the two, um, and sometimes success, super successfully, and sometimes not. But it's interesting, you know, certain people do. I, I certainly find a, a, a storyline, an overarching storyline, much more satisfying. But then also people are just like, I want to be able to figure out who killed who. Now that's, and yet it's interesting, because I feel like there's, I always say there's two types of, you know, jobs I do. There's the one where like, I hope I can make this good. Right. And then there's the one where I hope I'm good enough. Right. And obviously the one I hope I'm good enough is the challenging one where right. you're like excited the night before because like I hope I'm good enough to do this. Right. You know, I hope I can, you know, live up to what I know the uh, the possibilities of this character. Are. And then the other ones are like I hope I can make this real and interesting and, right. and maybe funnier and and not look like or you know, not be covered in egg. Right. I, I how did cuz I didn't see it. I don't know anything about it. How did the M night thing go? Well, it was very I was a very interesting. I mean, I've had I've had so many cool experiences recently. I mean, uh, but which which of those was that? That was Wayward Pines. Oh, was it? Was it? Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, which of those two was that? Where you know, and again, that, if you don't want to tell me that. No, okay. I'll tell you. That was a very. Uh, what was the name of the show? It was Way called Wayward Pines. Wayward Pines. That's right. It was. It was one of those where I was very excited to do it because I'd I read I saw the, the I'd read the novels right and um, in fact I got the pilot script and I had to audition for it and I and I, I thought oh I can't wait to see how this ends well I'll find out when I get the show and I was like well what if you don't get the show so I immediately downloaded the first book and the book was Blake Crouch wrote this amazing book and I was totally into it so I went in I was fucking ready man I was like this is my part and I got it nailed it the the earlier scripts that I'd read were. Um, amazing, you know, little tidbits. I was like, this is going to be great. This was one of those situations, and I haven't had one, it had been like about 20 years, where I suddenly was in an environment with a fair amount of squeaky wheels. Uh -huh. And um, who sort of then rewrote the script mm -hmm. to their own devices, which is, and so I, <laughs> the, I, I, I mean, I'll have to let more time go by before I tell too many detailed stories. But it was like my I went from having a character to being one of the highest paid extras of all time. But it was good because it's a funny thing, you know. You talk about who you're going to be, and I remember on Homicide, 
Homicide, the scripts were brilliant, and we had some pretty difficult personalities, and there was some very, there was a lot of personal drama throughout the cast. Like when I had arrived there, they'd gone from sort of the guns and cocaine period to right. just like the full on alcoholism and sort of like fist fight period. Uh-huh. Uh, after, I mean, I, I had a, ah! there was a, I'll tell you a great story. Like, I'm going to set one day, and there's an actor, and he, he pulls open his waistband, and he's got a gun, and he uh-huh. goes, and he, he's like, I'm going to go shoot Jimmy, who's one of the producers. And uh-huh. I was like, great. Go shoot Jimmy today, you know. Like, and they did end up shooting some guy in his block, and, and it was crazy. Wait, but a real guy, a, a, real, a real guy, a real, a real gun with a, a real gun, a real actor with a real gun, and like that's he went and shoot, shoot, shot someone on the block. He, he shot someone on his block who was who was who was bugging him and um and harassing him. It was legitimate. That guy was an asshole. But um, <laughs> but so so but it was one of those. But I was a young actor, and and I didn't I I, I didn't quite have my my personal center strong enough then you know my personal life was kind of a shithole then so I remember like being around all of these like squeaky wheels and I was like oh maybe I'll try being a squeaky wheel I'll try it I'll tr- maybe I'll try being a, an asshole but it's like what I've learned is you're either an asshole or you're a nice guy right. and you really can't change that you know and um it goes back to the way that you were talking about living your life being yeah. like like you go how you cut the yeah right so I got you know so I'm on a show with a bunch of squeaky wheels and I was just going you know what I'm, I'm not going to become a squeakier wheel. You know, I'm going to do what I can. And uh, it's been a nice experience, a nice mm, experiment. Mm-hmm. And I've, um, um, <laughs> uh, I mean, it was one of those where, like, uh, I'm talking to uh, a co-star and, and she says to me, you know, this, this is the level of, this is the one funny moment. I was like the level of disjoint or disjunction or di- misconnection that we have. She goes, um, she's like, oh, I've, I've, Reed, I found this brand new whey powder. It's this whey protein powder. It's really amazing. Now, uh, whey protein powder is not really one of my major topics of discussions. But anyway, and I was, she goes, but Reed, I found this amazing whey protein pro- product. And I go, no way. And she goes, no, really, I have. <laughs> and I go, oh, okay. So we're talking about whey protein powder. <laughs> I've made the world's worst pun. That, and I was like, oh, okay. I, it's one of those, like, I guess... You know, it's only eight hours till I can start drinking in my hotel room. Uh, but that was, but it was, it was a noble experiment, and, uh, and and with the best of intentions. It was also one of those things too, where I think I might have learned a very valuable lesson, because I was the only actor in the entire show who'd read the book. And I always, I always, I'm, I'm, I rate with these people on Game of Thrones who was like, I haven't read the book, and I'm like, well, you should, because that's job security. You should know, like in book five, you fucking buy it, you know. But like they never do. But on this one, but but then. I worked on this show. It was very interesting because the um, all the one of the actors said to me quite sagely, um, "If you read the book, you're only going to be disappointed because we're not going to make the book." Really and, interesting. And and I, you know, I love research and I love you know because I always feel like there's you're going to get that spark of inspiration or the thing that's going to take your imagination to a certain place. You don't ever know where you're going to get it. You can get it from you know the title of the episode. You can get it from the color in the month that it's taking place. Whatever it is, there's something that's going to evoke something that's going to take you down a road that you didn't think you were going to go down to. So I will always read anything available. And But but I was disappointed. You're still going to, you're still going to do that? In, 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 I'm still going to read it. Yeah, bias. because it's just like, I mean, I learned a couple of things. It's like, you know, don't... Don't sign up for a show if you don't if your character isn't fully formed. Because I've made a long career. Really interesting. I've made a long career of like. So cat- you do reject things. You know, I I I do say more. I say yes. Mm-hmm. I almost no. I I almost never say no because there's always a good reason to do something. But how do you know? How do you know ahead of time if your character is fi- fully 
formed or not. Well, it's interesting because now, you know, I just finished this show that's coming out, this really great show that's going to come out in Mar- on March 9th called Underground. Mm-hmm. It takes place with during the Underground Railroad, 1858, just, you know, pre-Civil War. Oh, you got War. to wear fucking that? And you got to wear those clothes? Made personally for me. And like, you know, it's, it, and it's an exquisite show. See but, that? I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Go, 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 yeah, yeah, go. That to go. Look at that. Look at that. They made custom clothes yeah. that are 150, over 150 years yeah, yeah. old custom clothes for you. Where was it? Where'd you film it? Well, we found in Baton Rouge. Okay, Louisiana. fine. Yeah, yeah. Fine. We're, you we're in to... the plantation houses. Get and, the know, fuck yeah. out. No, it was epic. And it was amazing. I'm, I'm just, I just yeah. want to take a moment to for go, the clothes, yeah. how fucking yeah. awesome is that? Well, I love yeah. the clothes. Isn't that great? I no, love the Paul, period pieces are awesome. Oh, I, yeah. You know, but there's I'm, also something about wearing a badge and having a gun. There is something about wearing a badge and having a fucking gun, which is great. And, uh... You know, uh, I know my wife. My wife always reminds me when I get into a certain situation. She goes, "You know, you're not really a cop." You know, she's like, "You're always looking at people like you're a cop," and I'm like, "Well, she's like, you just played one on TV, actor boy," and because uh, uh, that's how I got on that show. Because I was like, I, when I first moved out here, it was like a crazy time, and I go, "I, I don't know what I'm doing." With I had sort of a deep existential crisis. Sure, sure. And I go, and and I go, I think maybe I should become a police officer. Oh, yeah. And so I was out here in L.A. Do you remember Ed Hertzman? I know Ed really well. And no, he was, because when he went off to do it in New York, I was so he excited for him. Yeah. I gave him all the books about it. I was just like, I was like, oh, no, we talked about this all the time. And then, but he actually went and did it, which like, yep. I luckily had the experience. Like, I met all these LAPD guys, and they were great. And it was like, um, and this was right after, you know, this is during during the OJ trial, right after the uprising, uh. the riots. And, um and I went on I went on some ride-alongs down in like Watts and stuff like that. But what was so interesting is all the cops I met, they all wanted to be actors. Right. And I go, and I said, you know, and I had that moment, you know, like when you, you do shrooms for the first time or something where you go like, oh, you know, the, the real person I am, I'm an actor. I was born to do it. It's what I do. I'm going to play one realistically if I get that opportunity. And like a year later, you know, I get to do Homicide, which was really spectacular. And um, it was life-changing. But... Um, yeah, so the badge of gun is pretty nice, but this in this underground thing. So you ask how you know if the character right. is there. So oftentimes I will just sign up with the hope of the character, the idea of the character, or he's got a couple of good. Where does scenes. the hope come from, though? I'm sorry, I, a I couple. Just of, to... You'll have a couple of good scenes. You'll be like, you know, so got it. Uh, you'll have two really good scenes, and that the you'll pilot. be able to read ahead. Of time. You'll read them. You'll have, them. You'll have two good scenes. Yeah. You go, well, this is going to go somewhere, right. but maybe it won't. But like an underground, that character was there, you know, and you go, great, because I've oftentimes I've created characters. Where I just show up and I had one scene and like oh we really like Reed like have him around we'll write more for him and the characters grow and right. then suddenly I've I've shown up that's how I met Joss Whedon I came to do the pilot of Dollhouse the show we did and mm-hmm. I had one scene and they're like do you want to do this one scene the pilot and I go well, I've always wanted to work with Joss I would love to and then by the end of shooting that three hour scene my co star she's like okay we'll see you in the fall and I'm like well I don't think so because I'm in the, and I was there and I had a character and then Joss and I have had a very long and fruitful relationship which allowed me to do Shakespeare again and right. all that kind of stuff. Um, oh, but so, so, cause that's the thing, like I used to, I've said no in the past, but since how we, you know, since IO and improv, it's like, it's better to say yes. I also think that you don't know in good improvisation or good improv scene, anybody that's coming in and yeah. that's what we used to do at Stacy's not here. Anybody that's come in that goes, um, I'd like for you to sign for this, please. It's like, follow that guy. Yes. Follow fucking that yes. guy. Follow that yes. guy. And I remember, uh, John, exactly. John C. Riley was right. fresh air and John C. Riley. Uh, he was doing uh, he was doing that mammoth show on Broadway with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, and I forgot which show that was. But they, every week they would switch characters. No, they were doing the, the Sam Shepard. Sam Shepard. Yeah, sorry, I saw sorry, that. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. True, True, True West. Yeah. True West. They were doing True West. Yeah, yeah. So they're doing True West, and she says she said to him, um, she asked him, so you had 
a lot of small parts before he and she, he stopped and went uh uh-uh. uh they weren't small parts yeah, yeah. I was the star of that you just followed a different story than what my story was Jesus. and you go fucking great yeah, yeah, because yeah. how many of these shows do you see uh, let's uh, you, you talk about um, uh, uh, let's talk about uh, um, Boardwalk Empire. So right. you look at a character and you go, oh, no, that's just that guy. And then yeah. suddenly he's fucking coming back yeah, yeah. with a major storyline yeah. in there. And you're like, oh, that guy? Really? And so you don't fucking know. You don't know. And like all of the, a lot of those HBO shows, uh, uh, Deadwood, where you go, oh, that's just some guy. It's like, no, that's, that guy's fucking coming back. Watch for that guy. And whenever you're in, I'm watching a show, I'm thinking... This guy could come back. I like that character. I like the way that it's written. Oh, he's not coming back. That's disappointing. But he was written so strong that he has this life that's outside of this that intrigues me as well. Mm-hmm. And that that that's just so fucking joyful. And to work with people where you go, where they're 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 looking at the words that the director's looking at the words that you're reading, but the director's also inspired by you. He's not just inspired by the, the writer. He's inspired by the performance that you're doing. And suddenly you just opened a fucking door for this person. Well, that's Breaking Bad. You what? know, Jesse was supposed to be dead in the first season. And uh, and then they liked him so much. They're like, no, no. He became, he was supposed to be done. You know, and and of course, and, and Aaron Paul, his performance is so insane. There's another one where you go, that little character there, that, mm-hmm. fucking, that yeah, yeah. fucker comes back. Yeah, but that's also, you know, but if you could, you know, definitely too, that's one of the situations, like if you're going to put your, you know, your fate into, you know, put yourself in fate's hands, you want it to be Vince Gilligan or right. some, just, someone who you know will handle you. Absolutely. I've done a lot of projects where like, yeah, yeah, you like me, I really wish you didn't, but that's good, that's fine, I'd yeah. like to work, yeah. I really like to work. Well, and yeah, and I, I don't have the luxury of not working that's the way I feel about it too yeah. I don't have the luxury of not working but and you know what at the same time there are certain gigs that I will do where if I know because really what I'm doing is I'm just traveling around I'm teaching and performing around the world and there are some gigs that I look at and I go you know this is going to be harder than I want it to be so mm-hmm. I'm going to charge you more well, yes, yeah. Someone, yeah. Someone, a therapist said to me once. He's like, he's like, you either it either needs to be uh, financially rewarding or creatively rewarding. Now, if you got both, that's great, right? But like, if it sucks, it has to be. Because I, I remember calling him. I'm driving the car to a, a job, and I'm just weeping. I'm like, why did I do this? this is, I can't believe I. Where you just don't want to show up to work that badly, and he's like, you should have gotten more money. That's it. And, That's and it. And I was like, yeah, you make that mistake once. Yeah. You yeah. fucking make that yeah. mistake once. Yeah. Or and or if you don't make that mistake once, the best gift you can give yourself is the only source of suffering is non-acceptance. So the idea of going, oh, uh, uh, well, you know what? This is the way it fucking is. This is the way it is right now. I'm making this amount of money on this piece of drack, working with these douchebags. So I will, God is my witness, I will never get myself involved in this again. Hopefully. But, it, yeah, but you know what? Yeah. But nine times... I use this phrase a lot, but nine times out of ten, it's not that you don't have to do that. Yeah. But there's that one time out of ten where you go, is this the time? Mm-hmm. Because I bowed to myself years ago doing Chicago theater, which I was really able to do a lot of Chicago theater, and thinking, I will never be in a play if I don't know what it's about. And then I kept doing it again and again, where it's like I had no fucking idea what this play's about. I mean, I've... I mean, I tried to... A great actor said to me once, he's just like... Um, he just said, if you're gonna, you just make sure you're, if you pick a character that it's an active character, that has he, that he's, he's doing something. Because, the, and then, I, and what does doing something mean? You know, um, where, 
it's I, actually I did pass on something this summer, and then they came around with a more active character. It was like sort of just a passive sort of victimy. Like he's he, I, there's nothing there's nothing to sink your teeth into. Like when you get there, because that's the thing, you know, especially if you're if you're guest acting, you you need to have something to do. You, like the reason to be there, something to um, that you're not just sort of like answering some police officer's questions right. and moving, you know. And it's sometimes right. it can be tricky because sometimes a part can be big, but there's really nothing to like grab onto if it's not well written you know um that he's too passive or he's too much of a victim so i, I was like ah, you know i'm gonna I'm not, i don't think this is the right character for me and um and then next we called back two weeks later and, and it was a great character where, where i had scenes where you could sort of like you I, I know what to do i'm excited to come to work right you know and um the but, idea of serving purpose is that what you're saying as opposed to being an example in in, in the story of being an example of uh, a victim, like you use the word victim. Yeah, I mean, vic- I, I I use that because in if you're guest starring on a police drama, you're either the guy who did it, or you you're the victim, and then you have to show up on the first day. And, or you're the and guy cry. that's asking the, right, and tell answer right. some questions. Got now, obviously, guessing, you know, and that's and that pertains to things. That's in Shakespeare. There's no bad parts, right? Right. You know, in Mamet, there's no bad parts. In Chekhov, there are no right. small parts. But you know, on Person of Interest, there could be some small parts. Exactly. You know, right. and there might have been, you know, or Law and Order. You know, you might be the guy stacking boxes like, while they go. He's over there. I don't know. He came in about six o'clock, officer. You know, so it's just like you don't want to do that. I mean, those are the those are the small victories. But uh, have you seen the the movie Room? Oh, my wife is madly in love with it. She's really great. Yeah, yeah. And and John C. Riley's in that, but he's in it for a wink of an eye. Yeah. Not, I'm sorry, not John C. Riley. Um, uh, 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 William uh, H. Macy. Yeah, William H. Macy. It was, yeah, yeah. A, it was a middle initial. Yeah. William H. Macy is in that. Yeah, yeah. And William H. Macy plays a part where you go, that's the fucking great. I mean, he was in, yeah. he was out, he yeah. was fucking great. And you looked at him, you go, that fucker has ownership, knows everything that's going yeah. on, a thankless part, served a fucking purpose, walks away, and that's it. You know, looking at that, my challenge with a lot of television is um, that procedural thing where it's like, fucking really? Like, I've talked about the, the have you been in Castle? Yeah, I did that, yeah, yeah. Okay, Castle is essentially this, and I've talked about it before in the podcast. Something happens, these two people ask a bunch of people if it happened, they say they don't know, then they find somebody who thinks that they know somebody who did it. They talk to the person who who knows that they go and ask the guy if he did it he initially says he didn't do it and then they get him to say he did it and then it's over <laughs> but that's that's called a procedural that's 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 the thing because I, re- I don't want to be the guy read nothing happens nothing happens no no that's the worst I don't want to be the guy that's I mean and, I've, and I did not castle that was one of those now, now Nathan's like a really good friend and a really great actor and he could not have been sweeter but it was one of those where they call me at like 9 o'clock at night and they're like do you want to do castle tomorrow I'm like yeah and it's like and then suddenly I have like a three page monologue where I have to cry uh-huh. and confess the thing and also like make you're like oh god you know oh god I hope I could get there because and you're making that's always the crazy thing too you know in those confession scenes it's like did you do it no you did it okay I did it like it's like no. things, things happen so you have to like you know and that's where experience and training or whatever comes in where you're like okay how can I bridge between here to there um to make that work and now you know it's interesting too like becoming I say there's something for longevity. You know, I've suddenly become. I used to. I used to always be the youngest guy, mm-hmm. and now I'm quite often the oldest guy on the show. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing just surviving. Now anything I do, they're like, "That's great." Or any idea I have, you know, there's. I have a lot more room now. I give myself a lot more room, but um, people are much more responsive to it. So I'll always show up and I'll do the first take or two. I'll do it, you know, word perfect. But then I like play around with it. What gives you? What did you? Uh, what, no, go ahead. Go ahead. What? what so the play around with it. 
That's the confidence. That's the, that's the hours in. That's the confidence. That's what you talk about or Mick talks about or whatever you guys talk about. Like, we were like, you have to like, and um, I just heard Matt Besser talking about it today on the radio. It's like, you have to have that confidence. You know, and here's you the do- thing about confidence, and I, I mentioned it before, is the idea of fake confidence looks the same as real confidence. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm suggesting to actors to mm-hmm. have confidence, I'm saying, fake it. Just fake it. Fake it for today. Yeah. Because it, I don't know that your confidence is fake confidence or not yeah. when you're on set. I don't know that your confidence... For sure. Well, I don't know if your confidence is fake confidence or not when we're having a discussion. That's true. I don't know that at all. You're the only person that knows that. And you, what you aren't doing in that moment is you're not letting your doubt determine what dialogue you're using or the tempo with which you're speaking to me. Does that make sense? I do. I mean, I had someone explain it to me in the reverse. I remember, you know, the guy who I worked with who I'm crying to on the phone. He said, why do you think you shouldn't be nervous? Or why do you think you should? And then as he's like, is it okay that you're nervous? You know? Yeah. It's okay. And then I'm like, yeah, you go, okay. You think it shouldn't be there. And then, and so then as soon as I was like, I wasn't getting, going down the rabbit hole of going, why am I? And then, and then also then hours in, you just know, yeah, faking it. I think faking it would work. I I also think just like at a certain point, you're like, what's going to happen? Right. You know, I can do it. And also it's film, you know, what, and I mean, I got into this, I became an actor initially because I wanted to make a fool of myself and be lauded for it. Like I could I could reveal all of the the chinks and the most insecure sensitive parts of my being and people were like that's great because that's calm. You know like I remember like when I first started I was like I always I never played like the leading man. I was like I want to be the goofy um awkward uncomfortable person right. and want to be Gilligan. And and it, for a while I lost that, you know, because it's a place where you can expose that vulnerability thing Got which you started true. earlier yeah. and uh-huh. it's like and it's and that's good. Right. Right. Well, let's stop there. Wow. We did that. Oh, look at that. Exactly an hour. Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, that was awesome. And here's the quote. I wanted to make a fool of myself and be lauded for it. I could reveal all of the chinks in the most insensitive and sensitive parts of my being, and people would say, that's great, because that's confidence. Yes, Reed Diamond, thank you so much for bringing your confidence over to the apartment and that two and a half hour drive that you made over here. Damn, thank you so much. ADD Comedy, the Dave Rosowski also thanks Laura Parker, my co-producer. My dear friend, musician extraordinaire Al Rose for our theme song, I Feel Like a Million Dollars, from Al's album, Sad Go Lucky. And we thank you, our listeners. If you liked our show, give us a positive note on iTunes, won't you? If you're interested in having me at your theater, your improv school, your corporate event, your cesarean section, Please drop me a line at dave at addcomedy.com. Thanks, and we'll hear you in our ears. Bye.